0: cast is part of the Fire and Water Network.
1: i uh, Sam. You got problems your things? Oh, it's all the neuroses I face day in and day out. It can't help but have a negative effect on me. Well, why don't you just do what I did? Throw her clothes in the hallway and lock the door. <laughs> Sam, Diane is my salvation. It's my patients that have caused this distress. But think of it. Day after day, miserable people coming into your office and pouring out their litany of depression and anxiety. The only way my situation could be any worse is if I actually listened to them. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and with me once again, making his way from the Longbox Crusade where he co-hosts action film face-off and other shows, please welcome Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. What's up, Jason?
0: Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me back. I'm so sorry I'm late. Uh, The guys took me out snipe hunting, and uh, there must have been some sort of mix-up because uh, they just kind of left me. Um, I'm sure they thought I was in the car, but, uh, cause I'm kind of quiet normally, but, uh, yeah, I had to make my way back.
1: I, I was going to ask if you brought the bag with the the, the, the gunny snipe. sack. The gunny yes.
0: Sack. Yes. I brought the gunny sack back with me. Sad <laughs> to say I did not find a snipe, but I'm going back out tonight to try again.
1: Absolutely. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up. If you, if you didn't get Never. it the first time, you can absolutely get it this time.
0: <laughs> the kind of weasel can't catch a snipe.
1: Hey, oh yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Folks, um, if that that didn't make it clear, we are talking about the Season 3 episode, The Heart is a Lonely Snipe Hunter. This is Season 3, Episode 14, written by Heidi Perlman, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date, Thursday, January 10th, 1985. Sam and Norm have planned to spend the weekend up in the woods fishing when Cliff discovers their plans and guilts them into inviting him, which in turn leads to the tertiary barflies Alan and Tim joining the group as well. Fraser comes in to see Diane, or more likely to drink away his depression over a lousy week at work. Diane thinks a trip outside the city with some macho male camaraderie is just what the doctor needs and pressures Sam and the others into bringing Fraser along. Several hours later, the group returns laughing hysterically and absent one Fraser Crane. They tell Diane that they pulled a prank on Fraser, drawing him into a snipe hunt. While the good psychiatrist sits in the wilderness trying to capture a non-existent bird, the rest of the gang abandon him to come back drinking. Diane is mortified by what she sees as a cruel and unfunny trick on someone whose only crime was wanting to hang out with them. She convinces Sam to drive back and pick up Fraser. Before he leaves, however, Fraser returns to Cheers, having hitchhiked his way back to the city. Frasier is not angry and vengeful, though, but rather giddy and appreciative. He thanks them for introducing him to the mind-expanding sport of snipe hunting, while also apologizing for failing to capture one. Over and over, he mentions how sorry he was that he let them down. Before Sam can reveal the truth to Frasier... Diane sends her man to get cleaned up and makes the others swear that they will perpetuate the lie never revealing that they played Fraser and thus embarrassing him even further to this end when fraser comes out of the men's room cliff suggests they go back to the woods and give fraser another shot at catching the snipe they're all for it except for diane who pulls fraser aside and in desperation tells him there is no such thing as a snipe Frasier says he knows that. He figured out what happened hours ago. He's been lying all night long to get the guys to go back out to the woods so he can reverse the prank, leaving them stranded in the middle of nowhere. As Frasier leaves with the gang again, Sam tells Diane that someday they will look back on this episode and laugh about it. She doesn't think all of them will be laughing. All right, Jason, what did you think of The Heart is a Lonely Snipe Hunter?
0: This was a really good episode, and I think it. I, I actually got a little respect for old Doctor Fraser Crane. <laughs> they led us to believe that he was such an idiot. He not only fell for the snipe hunting trick, but he actually enjoyed it. Wanted to go back for more, and that scene. When they're back in in Sam's office, and he says, uh, how, "How did he put it?" He said, uh, "Man can't can't stand alone and there crouch alone in the woods for two hours without some things revealing themselves." <laughs>
1: exactly. Yes. Oh, that's such a good that's such a good uh, turn. Yeah.
0: That was a good. That was a funny line, and and so I I ended up having a little bit of respect for uh, old Doctor Crane at the end of that one.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great bit of a reversal, and it's one of those twists where this is an episode that rewards rewatching because you really see how like when, once he comes back and you know what's going on, you really see how heavy he's lathering it on, how much. You know he's he's really disappointed in himself, and oh, if he could just have another chance, you know he knows that he could have get he could get it for them, and he, he would you know he would make them proud. He's really he's he's in, he's he's doing some inception work. He's planning the ideas that they should take him out. They should give him a second chance because he's gonna flip it on them. And once you know what's coming, it's a really good twist.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. I'm glad you brought it up about the second watch because this is the second watch I've seen uh, this episode. I've, it's probably been about a only about a year, maybe even less, since I watched it last time. And uh, I think one of the brilliant things about the writing of this is that Frazier plays the heel to Sam and the rest of the gang so often that you just assume, as the viewer, you just assume it's happening again. And it seems funny. It seems funny. Like, oh, man, this guy is so dumb, they're going to get him again. And you almost feel like you're part of the group that's laughing at him. And then when he does that reveal in the third act... Dang, man, that was, that's gangster. <laughs> yeah. frasier got a little gangster in him. He does, he does.
1: It's such a... It's Wu-Tang, such a- Wu-Tang,
0: son! Wu-Tang!
1: <laughs> I, this, is, this is one of those episodes that sort of cements Frasier and, and, you know, Kelsey Grammer's continued presence on the show. For a character who was initially introduced for what they thought would be a limited time just as Diane's boyfriend... That would go a couple of episodes, possibly the whole season. This is one of those episodes where you see this guy is not only a special actor, but the chemistry and what he brings to this group is actually greater than just his relationship with Diane. And, spoilers for the end of this, (laughs) if their relationship sours and and they don't end up together in the long run, this episode is one of those where you can see... I don't want him to go away after they break up. I want him to last a little bit longer. And this is one of those episodes where you can see why he would stick around, why the character works with this group.
0: Yeah, you're right. And he even mentions, or I believe it's actually Diane who mentions to Sam that Fraser considers you a friend, mm-hmm. right? And it takes Sam aback. He's yeah. like, yeah. what an idiot, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. But I think this is kind of the first seed, and a friendship between them and they do actually become friends and and uh, Sam becomes a big influence on on Frazier's son mm-hmm. growing up later on uh, spoiler alert for folks mm-hmm. who hadn't seen the show but this, it kind of starts here where where Frazier starts becoming a character of his own and is almost starting to become one of the gang at this point as opposed to just being Sam's foil and the rival for Diane's affections right
1: right uh, so going through the episode, we get kind of a weird teaser. I'm not sure where where they came up with this one, but it's essentially just a couple of different characters singing what I assume are public domain songs. Just like, everybody sort of have a, has a song in their heart. You know, one customer is just kind of singing something along as they pay for their, their bill, and this gets the song stuck in Carla's head, so she sings a verse. And then Diane overhears that and then she walks to a customer and she sings a verse of some song and then that customer leaves and another customer comes in having heard that one leave singing a song and then and then coach starts singing a song and all of this like you just kinda see Sam looking around going, What the hell is going on here? But they like there's no regular dialogue throughout the it's just song lyrics.
0: I thought that was kind of charming. Yeah. I was wondering what, where they were going with that, and at first I thought, Oh, that's kinda lame, but mm-hmm. It's just kind of showing how infectious a song can be, but... I think what turned me around is when the person left the bar Yeah, and you thought, okay, that's the end of the bit, but then somebody else comes into the bar, continuing the song again. Clearly,
1: like like on the stairwell outside, (laughs) they they pass each other on the stairs outside the bar and it keeps up, yeah.
0: Yeah, that got a chuckle out of me.
1: Yeah, this kind of thing, like the, the idea that it's sort of this infectious song thing kind of like goes through them. I think this will be... The idea of this will get played up later on in one of the Woody episodes um, when they start doing "Queens, We Will Rock You." When you just hear yeah, some like amb- ambient yeah. noise around the bar, starts making the, dun-dun-ts,
0: dun-dun-ts,
1: dun-dun-ts, and you kind of get the, the the whole like the rhythm beat of uh, of "We Will Rock You," and that turns them into all chanting the song. So,
0: yeah, I like that one. I that, I I got to admit when I saw that the opening scene you were talking about, it did remind me of that, that one with the mm. the Queen tribute. Yeah. Uh,
1: so then once we get to the – after the credits, we get this sort of bizarre thing where everybody's is wondering, what the heck smells so bad? And we see Coach comes in smoking a cigar. And this leads to some really funny gags in the episode, but it's kind of this inexplicable moment We're in the third season, the second half of season three. I don't think we've ever seen Coach Smoke before. What's more than that, Nicky Calasanto had a heart condition, and he was sick while they were filming this. Like, he was in bad shape. So... I mean, I, I I think the cast and crew didn't know to the extent of it, but like, whose idea was this? Like to have him smoking in the scene? Was it just part of the script? Did he want to do it? This just like I'm I'm looking at this. I was like, oh my god, you're killing the man right now! Like for the, for this gag in the show.
0: Well, do we know? Was it a real cigarette or was it one of those sta- or cigars or was it like one of those stage cigarettes? Where I, that's a good it didn't question. didn't have like tobacco in there.
1: That's a good question. It very well might have been been a fake, like a prop one.
0: Um, I'd like I, to I, think so. I'm yeah, going to tell myself it was.
1: <laughs> I, I never even considered that, but I uh, I hope
0: so. <laughs> I, I
1: hope to. Yeah, I really hope so now. Um, I didn't even look that closely enough to like see if he was like really puffing away and he just has it in his mouth.
0: Oh. It was funny though. Everybody had their own little piece of it because they were like, "Oh, it, it smells like uh, Melville's upstairs." Is <laughs> yeah, taking out the trash, yeah. and I like Diane because she was like, "New cologne, Sam? Yeah, because sure. it smells better."
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's a step up from your usual cologne. Yeah. And Sam's—he's like—he comes out of the office. He's like, "Is somebody boiling tar out here?" And and Coach is like, "No, it's my cigar." He's like, "Would somebody please boil some tar out here?" And then late, later, Sam is like, do you have any idea how much that cigar stinks? He's like, are you kidding? It's right below my nose. It's like,
0: he said, does anybody mind if I smoke this cigar? And yeah. Carla says, not if you put the linen in your mouth. Yeah. And he says, Carla, I'll have you know, I've been smoking it this way for years and I'm not going to change now.
1: Yeah. It's like, this is the way I learned. I'm not going to stop. Yeah. Um, and then we get once Norm Norm comes in. Um, Sam asks, "What's new, Norm?" He goes, "Terrorists, Sam. They've taken over my stomach. They're demanding beer." This is why this is why I wanted you on this episode because you've got a military background and you're a James Bond fan. So I figured you could deal with the terrorists in Norm's belly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if you got a terrorist in your belly, sometimes uh I hate to say it, sometimes you got to negotiate with terrorists when they're demanding beer. So, <laughs> I know it's not exactly this is the Reagan era and it's not necessarily a Ronald Reagan thing to do because he wouldn't negotiate with those terrorists, but <laughs> but you know, it's norm and right. you got to do what you got to do. He's
1: going to give them what they want. It reminds me of I think it was I think it was a deep thought an old SNL deep thought thing by Jack Handy. They say there's a little god in all of us, and if that's true, I hope he likes enchiladas because that's what he's getting.
0: <laughs> well, I like it.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then we find out that Sam and Norm are going fishing, um, but their ideal fishing trip is not just getting away from you know modernity and, and the city life, because they're bringing a portable TV with two movies. They're bringing Porky's 2 and Splash. <laughs>
0: Both great '80s classics,
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then I love the, the thing about Cliff is Cliff guilt[s] Sam and Norm into letting him go with them, and then immediately becomes a gatekeeper and tries to block Tim and Alan from coming with.
0: Yeah, I, I liked how he did it too, because he didn't just come out and ask. He just <laughs> was—he was doing that passive aggressive. Oh, I'm going fishing, huh? You know, I like fishing. And why didn't you ask me? And and Sam said, I must have forgotten. Yeah. He said, well, I didn't forget because you didn't. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't want to force myself to be force myself to go somewhere that I'm not wanted or something. And Norm's like, well, you're going to have to if you want to come with us.
0: Okay. Yeah, and then the rest of the bar, it turns out to be a party, which kind of that's, uh, again, I thought that was kind of funny because Sam is actually pretty amicable to everybody else coming. He's like, oh, you know, let's just have a party, whatever, and but uh, when Diane suggests that Fraser comes along, that's that's a bridge too far for him.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, he's he, he's like, what the hell? Let's make it a party. And this is one of those like, like, where you know, Sam, Sam, clearly, you know, he has this legit friendship with Norm. you know they were planning to spend the night or the weekend or something, you know, together, just like doing this little fun bonding thing. And then he's willing to just extend that offer to a couple guys. Like, Sam just, he likes people. He likes hanging out with his guy friends and stuff like that. And this is why everybody loves Sam. This is why he's the alpha. And actually, I mean, Diane points that out later in the episode. She's like, the the everybody takes their cue from you. They'll do what you do. You could have stopped this, you know, and taken <laughs> better care of Frazier. Uh, right. These the lemmings
0: other... can't think for themselves.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, she's right. <laughs>
0: She's not, right? Oh, oh whatever, whatever you say, whatever boss. Whatever you say, boss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that when she starts, like, when she's, like, uh, trying to get uh, Fraser to go along, she's like, what do you say bringing uh, Frazier along? And Sam starts waving his hands, like, no, 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 don't bring it. And then Fraser turns around to look, and Sam has his hands up, and he's just, like, his improv, he's like, bass up, they're about this big. <laughs> he's, like, holding his hands, like, two feet apart. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was, when Frazier comes in, he's like complaining about all the neuroses he had to deal with every day. And Sam's so like, just do what I do. Kick her stuff out in the hall and lock the door. That's right.
0: <laughs> 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 what was it Frazier said? <laughs> he's like, uh, the whining, the complaining. The <laughs> it'd be even worse if I actually listened to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> And like, you know, he he's and he even says he like knowing that he's making a joke and Diana's like, see he can still joke And when he's when he's talking about it, he's like when he's you know notices that the guys are going fishing, he's like, Boy, I'd love to get away from the noise and the crying and the border, borderline psychotics And Sam was like, Well, actually Cliffy's coming along too <laughs> Which is probably Poor like Cliff. Yeah, one of I mean they will definitely lean into that in the later seasons, but maybe that was like one of the, the first times with a joke that Cliff might actually have something seriously wrong with
0: him. Yeah, I think there's a few screws loose with yeah. that.
1: As, as John Ratzenberger put it, like I, I think in the, the 200th episode, he's like, he's like, Cliff is the winged nut that holds Western civilization together. But according to me, he's just a winged nut. <laughs> so, uh, so once Fraser comes back and she wants to tell him the truth until she hears how... Like basically changed he is. And again, it's all the, this lie that he's putting him on, but you know, she hears what she thinks is really genuine fun he seemed to have out there and how taken he is with the guys he feels and she doesn't want to break his heart again and disillusion him, so she stops Sam from telling the truth. Um and which becomes like the point, like like you would think you would think the guy's instinct would be, Yeah, we lied and we we hurt this guy. Let's keep the lie to ourselves, we don't want to hurt him. But the fact is they're like What's the point of pulling a prank on this guy if they never know about it? Like they want to tell him because they want to see that, that you know that that pain is part of the is part of the joke. That's the whole point. And if he doesn't realize he's been punked, then they didn't accomplish anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, have you ever been a butt of a practical joke like that? I think we all have at some point in time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, in the in the army, we had a whole bunch of them. We would, you know, we would send we would send soldiers to get, you know, send soldiers on impossible errands, you know, just for the heck of it. Like I sent someone for a, for a blank adapter for an M two hundred three grenade launcher. It's like this thing doesn't exist, right? But that soldier looked for it for hours. <laughs> so, it's just funny.
1: We were gonna have a fire and water like sweepstakes thing to send one of our listeners to a convention that doesn't really exist just to see what would happen, but yeah.
0: Right. It's the same concept, right? Yeah. I mean it's all in good fun. I mean nobody gets hurt and it's uh <laughs> it's kind of a bonnet it's almost like an initiation. I look at it that way. They were just initiating him into the group. Right.
1: I mean, we were gonna rig it so that Tim Price won and the object was he was going to be hurt, but you know, whatever, you know. It's
0: Well, that's just cruel.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We didn't. I mean COVID kinda of ruined the
0: plants, but COVID ruins everything.
1: <laughs> Speaking of that, like when they're they're kinda of talking about it and you know, Diane is saying, you know, how you know Frazier, like on the on the playground, Frazier was always the last one picked for games. She she kinda of mimics, she's like, We need to take the girl, you take Frazier or something like that for their teams. And and Cliff has this response, he's like, Fraser's lucky. Some kids were laughed off the playground entirely. And then, like, everybody kind of looks at him, and he's like, well, not me. I was always out there. And Carla has his... She's like, and you still are. Yep. (laughs) And and again, like, Frazier does such a good job, like, pretending that he's upset that Diane is defending his poor performance. So the gang invites him out there again, uh, because if they have to keep the secret from him, they're going to perpetuate the line, get as much mileage out of it as they can, and bring him out for the second hunt. Uh, And that's when she pulls him aside. And you, you hear him, like... He's he's so, like, again, with the, like, the second watch, you can see how he's leaning into it. He doesn't want her to expose the lie in front of them. They, they have to kind of do it in secret so that he can keep lying to them. So he's like, let women, huh? I guess she wants to kiss me or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I liked how when she brought him back there, too, his whole demeanor changes. Mm-hmm. It's, when he's out there, he just seems like this gullible sap, you know, like a like a big kid. And then he goes back and he's like, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's a doctor again. He's a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 And you mentioned it before. I think, you know, this episode is one of those. that really shows how special Kelsey Grammer is. Obviously, he was very special, uh, special enough to have a legacy on this show and then continue the character on the show of his own. So it's uh I, I think uh this one really um highlights um kelsey grammer's acting range and performance his sense of humor and yeah. it's uh i think this this was a this was a good one if you're you're into frazier
1: yeah yeah we kind of get the most kind of emotion as he's going from like sort of like the, his manic excitement when he comes back into you know, doing the whole the whole uh snipe call or whatever it is well did you uh, let, let me ask you a question? Had you heard of a snipe hunt prior to watching this episode?
0: Yes, I have. Yeah, okay. I, I I've heard of the snipe hunt. It's it's kind of been a a, a joke. I I'm from the Midwest, uh, Indiana right. originally, so um so it's yeah snipe snipe hunts and and uh, those type of practical jokes I'm very familiar with. Yeah, and I'm I'm wondering if if actually watching- much like much like. Cliff, though. It never happened to me. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe I first discovered it from this episode, like watching a rerun in the 80s, because I would have seen this when I was a kid, but I'm not sure. But yeah, I feel like I've always known that as like a a, a, a kind of a practical jokes situation, or or like like a wild goose chase type of thing. Um, and actually, I just in kind of doing some research, I, I looked up kind of looking for where it comes from. It turns out there is actually an animal called a snipe. There, it is a type of bird. So when Sam yep. says that a snipe doesn't actually exist, that's incorrect. Um, but the point was that they they weren't actually looking for it. There was no chance that he was going to find it. Um, but I I also remember. Uh, the show King of the Hill, the animated series King of the Hill, uh, by Mike Judge. One of the very early episodes, uh, Hank Hill and his you know his three buddies take a group. It's basically like a Boy Scouts that type of. Th- uh, group it's like the Camp Wimatamye or something like that, um, but it's it's Hank's son Bobby and all these kids. they part of the thing is they're going on a snipe hunt, which is the whole kind of initiation to bring them in, into manhood. And but the whole right. idea is that it's a joke and it ends up going terribly awry because Bobby ends up accidentally beating up uh, an endangered whooping crane, and then they have to hide this <laughs> bird before like the state the state you know troopers of the state parks officials arrest them. So.
0: That's but, funny. That's funny.
1: Yeah. So I just thought, like, these are the two. Whenever I think, whenever I hear of a snipe hunt or something like that, I think of these two different shows and the way these go off. So,
0: well, true story. If you want to get a true story, we could talk about talk about my my brother, the yard sale artist, for a minute here.
1: Absolutely, love talking about we'll,
0: it. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll tell a little story for the listeners. So. So my brother uh, was a real pain in the ass growing up, like (laughs) real pain in the ass. And we must have been, uh, he must have been 13-ish, maybe 14. And uh, we were coming back from Germany. It was uh, me and him and our our baby sister. And we were staying with my grandparents, my grandpa uh, and grandma that have a farm on Indiana. Now, my grandfather is kind of a practical joker himself and not one to take nonsense lightly and Jared was getting on his last nerve and my grandfather had this bell on the farm and and for whatever reason Jared liked to go out and ring this bell and it would just annoy my grandfather so finally my grandfather calls him in and he says Jared there's a, there are two buckets that are in the barn, and he had this huge Midwest barn. You know, picture one of those. Oh yeah, yeah. Big, you know, like witness barns. You know, the Harrison <laughs> Ford movie. Yeah. So and it's like two, three, maybe even three stories. I mean, and there's just layers. That thing is, uh, you know, that that that's a disease waiting to happen. I mean, that's <laughs> you got to have your tetanus shot before you go in that barn. <laughs> and so, Jared goes into this barn. And he comes out about an hour later frustrated. And he's no buckets, right? And my grandfather looks at him and gives him this look that like only my grandfather you probably have somebody in your family that one person that the the patriarch that can just look at you and your blood freezes and you know you better do what he says. And he looked at my brother, gave him that look he said, you find those buckets. (laughs) And so Jared goes in there again and like hour hour and a half later comes back out and he's near tears he's like <laughs> near tears and like covered in cobwebs and dust and everything else and my grandfather looks at him again where are those buckets and, and it, by the third time he's going starts dawning on me and i looked at my grandfather and i was like grandpa there's no buckets in that barn is there? <laughs> he's like i have no goddamn idea So, so, yeah, that's how my grandfather <laughs> dealt with Jared.
1: Nice, nice.
0: He'll uh, appreciate me telling this story. Oh, I'm, I'm
1: sure. I'm sure the next time I record with him, I'm going to mention two buckets.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell, me, tell me what's on your bucket list, Jared. <laughs>
1: Very cool. Um uh but yeah, so so once we get to the that that final revelation as you mentioned, when he's she tells him the truth and he's like I know that. He's like a man does not crouch in the woods for two hours without having a revelation or two. <laughs> <laughs> I uh,
0: probably tip my, my head at what my favorite line was. Oh, of course, shit, of course, so.
1: yeah. Um, and then he kind of like, and she's like, well, why didn't you tell me? He's like, well, you know, I didn't think you could pull it off and everything like that. And she's like, no, I would have helped you if I knew. Or, yeah, he's, he's like, you would have thought it was juvenile. She's like, no, I would have helped you. <laughs> so he gets he comes out there and he's, he basically, he, you know, he plays off. He's like, Diane tried to tell me that there's no such thing as a snipe just because she wants me to stay here. Um and he's like I, I promise you won't become a snipe widow and he gets them to take them back out and like the last line is they're <laughs> out he's like oh it's starting to snow so he's gonna leave them out there in the middle of a blizzard I
0: like it I like yeah. it yeah. I like I said I walked away with some mad respect for Doctor Crane on that one up to this point he's kind of just been the the boob but yeah he gets a little cum puppets in this episode
1: he does he does it's a good showing for him so um uh yeah so getting into our like the the little superlative categories for norms tab i gave him credit for three beers in this episode which brings him up to 237 total um for the employee of the week for the mvp i don't think it's much competition i mean did you
0: no no competition at all you got to give it up to the phrase
1: yeah absolutely he just like just i mean this the episode was all about him he owned it and again as we kind of mentioned his range and like the different the the kind of like the the salty depression at the beginning sort of desperation for wanting to go out with them and just seeming like this naive kind of boob as you said and then when he comes back how just giddy and excited he is and then just that rev- that reveal at the end uh the cunning behind it it's yeah it's it's really good um for the home runs for the funniest bits um obviously the the revelation or two that he has in the office is good um i there was one line that i really liked that sam had it's in uh, It's when they come back and they're talking to Diane and he's going he's telling all like the steps of how they brought Frazier out there and they left him the the, the bag and how there's no such thing as a snipe and everybody's cracking up everybody's laughing and Diane is giving him this murderous stare like are you kidding me and Sam just looks at her and he's like I swear to you this is really funny
0: well at one point she says so you left him alone in the vulnerable in the woods and yeah, it's not funny the way you tell it. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It's like, it's like well, yeah, she's like, you abandoned him. He's like, well, yeah, but it doesn't sound funny when you put it that way. well <laughs> so.
0: I had one other one that I thought was really funny too, and uh, there was a little bit that went on the side when Coach said um, said something to the effect of. You know, the, there's certain things, you, you know, you just don't say. Like, I didn't tell you when you didn't get invo- invited to the Red Sox reunion <laughs> banquet. Yeah. And Sam's like, I didn't get invited to the Red Sox reunion banquet? There's a reunion banquet? And he's like, no, no, there's not. Can I have Saturday? <laughs> <half?" Yeah. laughs> Why? Someone died? Yeah, yeah
1: he's like, oh, I don't the same <laughs> way. And Sam's just looking at him like,
0: that? sure. <laughs> And then at one point, Coach is on the phone. He's like, well, if I'm not going – if Sam's not invited, I'm not going. I'm just kidding. I'm going to go. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, like, he hangs up and Sam is like, who was on the phone? He's like, eh, wrong
0: number. <laughs> just wrong number, yeah. <sighs> oh, I like that little bit.
1: That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> Coach, Coach's poker face. Yeah, he can definitely pull off that line.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, too. so it's it's a fun episode, definitely a Frasier heavy episode, and I think this is one of the one of those shows that that demonstrates that uh, this character needs to stick around for the long run, and and he won't be going away just because uh, his status as the uh, the romantic foil for Sam and Diane doesn't work out. But
0: yeah, yeah.
1: All right, Jason, where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you in the podcastosphere?
0: Well, you can find me at our Longbox Network, where I uh, talk about comic books and pop culture. Uh, we've had Saturday Matinee Theater, where we talk about retro television shows and movies. Um, so you can find me there at longbox.com. Or if you just want to talk with me personally, you can find me at Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram.
1: Uh, thank you very much for coming back to the show and thank you to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and or leaving a comment on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack and Ashford Wright from the Right On Network who sponsor this show for more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com fwpodcasts. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed.
0: Fraser, sometimes people do thoughtless things. They don't mean any harm. They just don't know any better. They're insensitive. Well,
1: good Lord, Diane, you sound like the psychologist I had when I was eight. What are you trying to say? <laughs>
0: There's no such thing as a snipe hunt. They played a childish prank on you. I know that. What? Good Lord, Diane. A man does not crouch in the woods for two hours without having a revelation or two. (laughs) So this is part of a plan, and I unwittingly helped you.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Fraser, how devious. But why didn't you tell me?
1: Well, I couldn't trust you. You'd have thought it was too cruel.
0: Oh, are you kidding? I would have helped. Frazier, this is so unlike you.
1: No, but it's what guys do, darling. We screw each other to the wall.
0: (laughs) Boy, it's great to be one of the gang, I'll tell you.